Hello, welcome to Spotlight. Art for all and all for art. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, 40th anniversary grants from Manx Heritage Foundation and Culture Vannon. Dolphins in space. And the Dukes of, not Hazard, but Athol, takes to the radio. As always, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you might be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to put in the spotlight, be they poetic, visual, theatrical, musical or literary. Just email me at spotlight at manxradio.com or if you prefer direct Howard Kane at manxradio.com. That's Kane with an E. And do get in touch if you've got anything you'd like to say. I'd be delighted to talk to you. To start this evening, whilst I was down at Culture Van and HQ the other week, there in the midst of the island at St John's, I was chatting to director Brisha Madrill, who told me of an exciting artistic support project they're running as they celebrate a special anniversary. Well, this is a special grants fund. This is for the 40th anniversary of the Manx Heritage Foundation and Culture Bannon. And this seemed like a, a great idea. Let's give out £40,000 in extra grant money um, to people for bigger ideas. So we were giving out grants of 5000 or £2,500 to people for an idea that they could really get going on quickly. So they're ideas that can start to be delivered this year in 2022 and that um, can carry on and that can be shared in some way online so that everybody will benefit from them. So these are relatively substantial sums. How are the recipients chosen? They're chosen by a panel, and so the board ratifies all the grants that we we give out. And they had a really difficult job this time because we had lots and lots of applications, as you can imagine, because people go, ooh, here's an extra scheme, this is really exciting, and they get inspired by it. And because our remit is so wide, it covers everything from Manx music and dance and Manx language through to ecology, architecture, history and law, um, industrial development as well. So we've got lots of different aspects. So we had tons and tons of applications and so the the panel had a really really difficult job going through them they've got to look through and see which ones they think are credible well-evidenced um, applications that can be delivered um, and which ones they found exciting and they're the ones that they chose and do they also have to look to having a degree of variety among the recipients that's it. They tried to get them from the different areas that um, are under the remit of the Manx Heritage Foundation Act, which is the legislation that governs us. And um, so they've got everything from um, short films that capture how the Ramsey Pier um, is being developed, the Queen's Pier in Ramsey, um, through films of the, the fishing industry, um, poetry books, um, wonderful mosaic of a basking shark that will be on public display which will reflect the ecology of the island um, we've got people looking at women in farming in the Isle of Man and wonderful portrait photography and interviews that uh, for that um, looking at Manx churches on the brink um, so churches and chapels a lot of them are being repurposed so how do you capture those before um, they the changes are made and then, of course, somebody else who's from the Isle of Man who's celebrating a very important anniversary is Nigel Neal. And so there's somebody who's going to make a, a short film about him, about him as a screenwriter. And then we're looking in terms of history, the different people who were the worthies of the Isle of Man, as we call. So people who are either from here or have had a, sim a significant impact here. So we'll have more Manx worthies. And then, most excitingly, um, really 
creative project looking at the calf of man and Khalu in Manx um, and looking at music, film, photography and field recordings to talk about social history and about something that creates something new out of it. So there's a huge, huge range. I'm bound to have missed one of them out, but <laughs> let's hope not. Um, and that's what is quite exciting, I think, that um, Manx culture is really vibrant and it's, it's really, there's a lot of variety there and there's something for everybody. And I think you're right. I think it is true that it's amazing how vibrant Manx culture is, how much variety there is when you look down this list and various different media. You've got your arm actually resting on an old volume of the Manx Worthy. So this sort of further work, this isn't going to be another book. This is going to be an online resource, is it? That is, yeah. Most things in this project will be have, have some way of being shared online. We found that during lockdown, when we did the Trace projects, which were small projects people could apply for, that we had projects that could be turned around quite quickly and could be shared online. It's a really great way to get it out to as many people as possible on the island and worldwide because the Manx diaspora is, is huge and very interested in what's going on culturally here. And so if there can be some way that a project can be enjoyed online, then that is something that's going to benefit the greatest number of people, which is what we want. And is that the way forward, do you think, for lots of projects like this, this whole online linking? So, as you say, pretty much anyone can access information regardless of whether they're on the Alamann or not. I think that there's, there should always be an element of online, but it shouldn't take away from things that actually need to happen within a community. Um, we have a normal grant scheme that runs um, all year round, every year, so four times a year people can apply for grants. And that's something that we see, we'll see a variety of projects, from something from a trail through a glen that will tell you the story of an actual space and place, which might not have an online um, experience as part of it but there'll be ways that they can tell that story online by talking to people about it and guiding people to it um, but I think it's something that most projects have these days is some sort of online element either just to promote it or to actually share part of it because accessibility and inclusivity is really really important and if you put things online you're making it accessible to a whole host of other people. And what do you think what would you say to cynics who sometimes might think what is the importance of protecting our cultural identity? What do you say to that? Our cultural identity is the things that we want to express as a people who have happened to end up on the Isle of Man, no matter where our journey started. It's a really important way of us thinking about our collective identity. How do we project ourselves internationally? Um, people look for your cultural identity as well as your political identity. Timwald is part of our culture that long proud history um, it's it's who we are why wouldn't we want to know about it why wouldn't we want to shout about it why wouldn't we want it to be as strong as possible and just finally you mentioned that whilst these are the 40th anniversary grant recipients going out so special ones there is that standard sort of year on year four times a year grants going out if people listening thinking you know what i have something i wouldn't mind getting involved in how do they apply for those they head to our website culturevanon.im and you just look for the grants and there's a whole page there with information. It'll tell you the grant application forms, when the meetings are. They're four times a year, so they tend to be March, May and September and around November or December time. So there's plenty of opportunity to apply and you can talk to us through the application process so that it makes sure that you present all the information you need to so that the board has everything they need to make a decision. And we're giving out grants all the time 
from small amounts to, to larger amounts. Um, and it's a really great way of redistributing lottery duty money, which is what we're doing. It's money for good causes, so it should go out to the cultural community. Um, and it does. And as Precia says, the 40th anniversary grants are now closed, but the standard grant scheme continues as usual. If you want to find out more about that, visit culturevannon.im. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now, when is a dolphin not a dolphin? When it's a space dolphin. Yes, that's right. A space dolphin will be coming down to Earth this summer and visiting the island. It's all part of the big splash. The latest hospice IOM Wild in Art Trail runs from May to September this year. It sees a large pod of individually designed dolphin sculptures being placed around the Isle of Man for everyone to see and enjoy. The individually decorated sculptures aim, of course, to delight the eye and also, it's hoped, spark a journey of marine exploration for the beholder. So who could design a space dolphin? Well, the island's adopted astronaut, of course, and first space watercolourist, Nicole Stott. I spoke to her at home in Florida and began by asking how she got involved. Well, I was asked, actually, our friend Chris Hall, who works with hospice and, you know, many other groups there on the island, reached out and invited me to participate. And and then along with the folks at hospice there uh, on the island, uh, was able, yeah, to, to design a space dolphin. The mind boggles. So what is or how did you interpret space dolphin? <laughs> Well, it's really actually it'll probably be one of the simpler uh, designs that you'll see of all the dolphins uh, there as part of Big Splash. The dolphin itself is just this kind of starry, uh, iridescent, uh, deep blue color. And then the pedestal, the wave that's kind of lifting it up is uh, a rocket launch. And it's really beautiful. And Kate Somerville from the island um, there was the artist that actually implemented, did the whole beautiful painting of the dolphin and i was going to say this is exactly so you you did the actual design but it was executed by by kate yes yes and her artwork is gorgeous i'm sure you've seen it around the island uh in murals and and paintings just very uh very tropical and of the ocean is what i've seen of it and she did a really wonderful job with the with the space dolphin as well so what did you actually want to convey in your design on this dolphin because all the dolphins are different and I think each one is going to have some sort of it would be saying something there'll be a message behind it what would you say was the the message behind your design well I think you'll you'll notice on the on the design when you see it that there's this rocket launching it's got all the colors of the Isle of Man kind of lifting off from the Isle of Man and I really um, like with everything I'm doing these days I really want people to understand that all of what we're doing in space off the earth is ultimately about improving life on the earth. And so this dolphin is meant to be uh, a crewmate, not a passenger of spaceship earth to represent all of us earthlings. And, and I think just to make us aware of how all of the really wonderful work we're doing in space is, is ultimately about improving life here on our planetary home. And is that something you're sort of passionate about getting that message across between Sometimes there is a bit of a disconnect, isn't there, between sort of well-being and what people actually perceive and what they see maybe going on in the space station with any of the emissions going on. Is that something you're passionate about, getting that sort of message across? 
Absolutely. And I think I think it's something that uh, that people aren't necessarily aware of. And so it's important to me that that I do share that message. And, you know, the idea on the simple things like, oh, my gosh, we live on a planet, all earthlings, only border that matters, that thin blue line of atmosphere. And we tried to capture that in the artwork on the dolphin as well. And then in the end, with respect to, you know, the Isle of Man, this amazing UNESCO only country designated as a UNESCO biosphere. Um, I'm so proud of that and the work that's going on there. And this connection, I think, that we need to make between personal health and planetary health. And, you know, how well we can do that if we, we decide to be, behave like crewmates and not passengers here. And do you think that's a dangerous something, again, you, you do bring across in your artwork, is that something we've lost contact with that you, you feel somehow or other, again, a lot of people may think that their actions don't actually have any reaction, as it were, on the, on the, for the rest of the planet. And this is something that does tend to come up a lot now when we start talking about not only personal well-being, but also the well-being of the planet that we call Earth, our home. And of course, the effect we have had on it over the years. Is, is this something that we're trying to get across, trying to sort of educate a new generation on this? Yes, I, I, I personally am, and I certainly hope, you know, across this, this campaign and others um, that are not just happening on the island but around the world, I think it's really important that people recognize, you know, from the personal health standpoint, we, we tend to see a little bit more about how our, our individual actions affect us health-wise. And we might try to ignore it, but, <laughs> but it's a little bit more apparent to us. And I think if we can get people realizing that that same thing is true – from a planetary perspective, everything we do, both good and bad, has an impact, you know, across the, across the planet. And uh, and that's really obvious when you look at Earth from space. You there's no denying the interconnectivity of everything and everyone that shares the planet as our home. And and I think if we can look use that that view of Earth from space even as a way to come back to Earth, make a connection ourselves with with this planet as our home and recognize how we really do every day on a daily basis with everything we do have an impact on, you know, not just people around us, but all life we share the planet with and the planet itself. And did that make a big change for you when you actually your time in space on the station there? And again, you you seem to have a great connect with all things marine, we've got the dolphins here, obviously, the sea, you mentioned the marine there before, also the wave, you're talking about waves, and that's in a lot of your artwork, this connection between sort of the, the planet, I suppose the blue planet, it is indeed known as the blue planet on the planet Earth. Is that something, were you passionate about that before you went into space and it was reinforced by your time in space, or did you really pick up on that in the time that you went up there and was the first sort of watercolour artist in space? You know, I think it was a little bit of both. I think I had that in me already before going to space, but uh, I don't. I don't know that I was um, as aware as I am now of how how much awe and wonder surrounds us every day, and that you know you don't have to go to space and see Earth from space to recognize that and to make a connection to it. And whether that's the ocean or the mountains or, you know, a flower in your own backyard or a bee flying around, what your, your pets, whatever it might be that, that, that allows you to just chill a little bit, have a little bit of a reality check of, Oh my gosh, I live on a planet. I live on a planet. 
and uh, and then to to raise your own awareness and call to action as a result of that. Like, wow, I have a responsibility. I, I shouldn't just be riding along on this planet. I need to be taking I need to be taking part in what is happening around me and how I'm influencing everything around me as well. I've seen a little sneak preview pic of it. It does look terrific. It must look very eye-catching. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing it in the, in the flesh. Are you going to be able to have a chance to uh, to get over and, and see your work as executed by Kate in the flesh uh, during the time? I think it's uh, I think the trail launches on the 27th of May and runs through until September. I certainly hope so. I was fortunate to get over there uh, a few weeks ago and get a sneak peek myself uh, with Kate and and the dolphin. She she's an amazing artist. Oh my gosh, I, I'm so thankful that she was willing willing to do this. And and I look forward to getting over there and seeing you know experiencing the whole trail of dolphins and uh, and the the really good work that they're doing uh, for you know for that cause on the island as well. It is. It's for obviously raising money for hospice, but also, again, this educational aspect, raising some of the issues that you were talking about in your own uh, artwork or design on your dolphin and uh, other issues on some of the other dolphins around the trail. They go live on the 27th of May, I think it is, runs through until uh, September from the uh, from the top of my head. Now, I can't let you go without just asking. Again, we were mentioning you are now not only an astronaut and uh, artist, but also author, a book out uh, back end of last year. Yes, uh, thank you for for asking. Uh, yes, it's called Back to Earth, What Life in Space Taught Me About Our Home Planet and Our Mission to Protect It. So again, right in line with what we've already spoken about, uh, very much about how uh, the ways we live together as this international community on this mechanical life support system in space, the International Space Station, and how we should be doing that same kind of thing down here on Earth. And I hope when people read it, they'll find something that, that's new to them, exciting to them, and that will uh, put a little you know, buzz in them to uh, take a call to action from it as well. Art-wise, I think I'm right in saying you had your uh, debut exhibition of your work. I think it was, in any case, over here down on the uh, promenade a few years back now. I take it you're still uh, painting and carrying on with further works. Any more ideas for another exhibition or maybe another one on the Isle of Man sometime? I would love to come back to the Isle of Man. I think it was so perfect to have have that exhibit there and be able to interact with the community in a little bit different way, not just as an astronaut, but as an artist as well. And I think it was really well-received and uh, I enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was nice to meet you there too. And, um, and I still go back to that interview that we did as, as a reference for that event. Um, But I'd love to get back there with some more of the art that I've been doing personally, but also to bring some of the art of the space for art foundation um, that way as well. Some of these art space suits and, and other things that we've been doing with kids around the world, including kids from the Isle of Man and uh, patients that are in hospice there that the dolphins are benefiting. So it kind of brings it all back together. I must have a read of Nicole's book. It sounds fascinating. And look out for those dolphins around the island, Nicole's and all the others. You might have heard of the Dukes of Hazard, but now the Dukes of Athol are going to be dramatised albeit without the girl in the hot pants, one suspects. The Athol Papers radio plays, three short plays based on stories unearthed from the massive collection of papers of the Dukes of Athol currently being catalogued at the Manx Museum. Katie King from MNH takes up the story. 
At Manx Social Heritage, we have an in-house theatre group called Labyrinth History in Action. So we comprise um, members of MNH staff and also um, a great group of volunteers. And we've been together since 2013. And what we try to do is use the collections here at Manx Social Heritage or our heritage sites or the stories in our archives to tell immersive theatre um, or put on immersive theatre productions at our sites. Um, and during lockdown, we were all geared up to do um, a VE day production, a labyrinth production at the Grove Museum in Ramsey um, and we'd done loads of work for it and then lockdown happened and we decided to try and put that work into a radio play. So I contacted you guys um, and you really kindly broadcast our productions and we really enjoyed it. We'd never done any sort of audio work before um, with Labyrinth. So Earlier this year, we were talking with Gareth. Gareth's um, with us for two years, and he's been doing some fantastic work on the Duke of Athol's papers, which we hold here in the archive, which he'll explain a lot more about. And it's such a fascinating period in our history, and it's a period that, as a social historian, I don't really know much about, um, and I don't think many people on the Isle of Man really know much about the 1700s or the Manx stories from the 1700s and how we were so intimately connected to, to the British story going on then. So when Gareth was talking to us about these stories he was uncovering, and he's been writing a fantastic blog, I got it piqued my interest, and we had a chat, and I wondered whether our Labyrinth team might like to look at some of the stories and create another sort of a podcast or a radio programme based on the stories coming out. So that's what we did. We um, Gareth really helpfully tried to translate these really complicated archives into a palatable, accessible format for us to start to tease the stories out, and that's what we've been working on, and that's what we're hoping to play out on Max Radio really soon. Terrific. Well, we're here down in the library and we have some of the papers set out in front of us. I have to say, they're stunning to look at. The quality, or at least the condition they're in, is absolutely amazing. Now, this is an immense, I gather, a fairly sizable archive then, is it, Gareth? It is quite large. There's at least around 8,000 items in there. And it stretches from 1736, when the second Duke of Athol first inherited the island, through to the third duke, who sold the island in 1765, the revestments, and goes all the way up to 1830, when the uh, the fourth duke finally, uh, well, he, he became the the governor in 1793, and then he died in 1830. At which time the Athol's connection to the island was severed. So does this give a sort of a pen portrait, as it were, if you go through some of these papers? Do you actually get a real sort of feeling of what life was like here on the Isle of Man in the latter half of the 18th century? You learn a bit about the Manx people at the time. They were, they were quite litigious in this period. They were constantly fighting with one another and trying to uh, uh, financially attack each other. And then you'll also learn about their, uh, the Manx penchant for drink as well in this period. <laughs> Which I think was due to the, uh, the low custom duties that they paid on things like wines and brandies. And you kind of learn a lot about the kind of, the kind of social history aspects in the papers. You'll read about the kind of the history of milling and other kind of industries in this period. A little snippet of the Duke of Athol's reel. 
And the three short radio plays will be broadcast by Max Radio on Timble Day. Look out for the timings. We'll hear more about those plays, by the way, a little closer to the time. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to manxradio.com and download the Spotlight podcast. Listen at your leisure. It's still just as good. Drop me a line with any artistic thoughts or ideas. Stay creative. I'll see you next week. Cheerio.